0: Bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo de facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm really excited to be here today with another episode of Solo de facto. Um, today's guest is an avid University of Michigan football fan. He's a Google certified partner and president of Attorney Sync. Guy Sakalaki, welcome to the show.
2: Corey, thanks so much for having me. So happy to be here, and nice job with my name.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. Nailed it. All right. It. Let's get into it. So my first question for you today is, what's the one thing that you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm?
2: So big picture, it's all about client service, client experience. More specifically, one of the things that always comes up every time I talk to lawyers, I'm like, how are you handling your intake? Because lawyers love to spend tons of money on all sorts of marketing stuff. And then you call them or you interact with a chat bot on their site or you fill out a form and you're like, what? You know, no response goes to voicemail, busy signal, answer the phone unfriendly, chat bot leads to nowhere, form never gets a response. So you got to fix that stuff first before you actually spend a single dollar on marketing, in my humble opinion.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. Um, that feels like just the, quickest way to waste all of your money Oh, <laughs> if nobody's there I mean, to we answer all the time missed
2: phone call we, we, you know, we do call tracking reports you know missed phone 10 percent of your phone calls last month were missed you didn't even pick up the phone and then lawyers will say things like oh well people that really want to hire me you know they'll leave a voice message i'm like what uh what year are you living in friend mm-hmm
1: It's not true. And that's actually one of the things that we tell people is 80% of the people that call you are not going to leave a message. And if they're leaving a message, they're probably just trying to sell you and they're probably not even a lead. So you want to make sure your phone's answered.
2: Yeah. No, I'm I'm surprised Um, it's
1: that high. It is. Yeah. It's, it's really high. And, um, but so what's the one thing that you think is, um, So like the first step to really improving that and making sure that they're not wasting their marketing dollars.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really putting a focus on every experience that a potential client or client has with your firm. And so it's everything from what does someone see when they search your name online, uh, when they arrive at your website, when they call you, when they receive an email from you, Uh, It's all that stuff is the stuff that goes to that experience. And, um, you know, especially now, with all the tools and technology and social networks and all this internet stuff, um, lawyers get overwhelmed. And if you haven't, you know, if it's not something that you've been familiar with, or like you don't really use personally, um, you know, lawyers are surprised all the time to see what their web presence looks like. Um, and you know, again, we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time uh, and energy and money on trying to rank for like non-brand keywords. So, you know, things like city plus practice area plus lawyer. But, uh, if you're just getting started, all this stuff's new to you, go do searches on your name and firm name, because no matter what, uh, no matter how someone gets your name, they're going to go to the internet and look you up and what they find is going to play some role in their impression of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And why do you think this is such an overlooked thing? Do you think it's just that they're overwhelmed and don't know what to do? Or what's your opinion?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a licensed lawyer, even though I'm not practicing. And I can tell you, when I went to law school, they don't teach marketing and business stuff in law school. I think some law schools are getting a little better. But seriously, the point is, is that, you know, lawyers go to law school to learn. I mean, really, they learn history, right? They learn his, the history of the law. They don't learn a ton of practical business knowledge. And so unless, you, unless they came from that background or they've been an entrepreneur in another context, why would we expect them to know anything about running a business, marketing, uh, and especially when it comes to digital? So, um, you know, and I, again, I think some of it for the, for the lawyers that have been around the block, um, it's back to that mentality of people that really want to hire me they're going to find me. They're going to contact me. They're going to hire me because I'm just a great lawyer. And we, I see this all the time. I talk to uh, really experienced lawyers that are well-known and you know, they'll say things like, I don't understand uh, why what's going on in my web presence isn't uh, competitive with this new young lawyer down the street. And I'm like, because you've spent no time even thinking about this stuff and this newer lawyer, like they're they're digital native, it's all they do. And so um, it just because you're a great lawyer doesn't mean that the world knows that you're a great lawyer, especially if it's not, you know, if you're, um, you know, in a practice area that uh, people are relying on the web or they're relying on social networks to find you. If they can't find information about you, if they can't find happy clients singing your praises, if they can't find videos of you talking about what you do, who you help, how you help people, why you help them, Um, they're going to move on to the next one. There's, you know, we're the highest lawyers per capita in the world here in the United States.
1: Absolutely. And people are doing almost all of their research online. So if you're not visible, how do they even know you exist? Um, going back to the topic of the actual intakes, what specific steps would you take if somebody had no, um, no intake process at all. They're starting from scratch. Their phone is rarely answered. What is something that you would advise them to do in that? Yeah, this is
2: one of those huge, it depends, right? Because it goes into the, the economics of your firm. Are you a solo? Do you have support staff? But um, generally speaking, the if you put the client or the potential client at the center, here's what we know. You've got to be able to answer the phone. In my view, it's got to be a human being. It's got to be in seconds. Um, you're fo- if you can't, if you're some, if a receptionist or somebody else is not the lawyer is going to do intake um, and they're not, and they're just going to take a message because the, the lawyer wants to do intake, you got to have a within 24 hour follow-up. You should have an, uh, you should be capturing email through your intake to send them an automatic uh, follow-up uh, email so that you're even just acknowledging that you've contacted them and set their expectations about uh, when they can receive a callback. Because the real goal here from an experience standpoint Um, you know, ideally you'll be able to answer their question, identify whether they're the right fit from you right away, but that's not always realistic. Um, But the next best thing you can do is to set their expectations to stop their search, right? Because what we don't want them to do is, is to say, hey, I left a message, I don't know when I'm gonna hear back, so I'm gonna go back to Google and find the next lawyer on the list or go to my referral source and get another referral, right? So stop that search, Uh, look at the experience through their eyes. You know, think about it from, how do you like it when you call the bank and they're like, press one for this and press two for this and none of the options make sense. And then you're on hold and you're listening to music. Think about what that experience is like for your clients and avoid it at all costs and and put in those systems uh, to be able to prevent that. And again, if this isn't your skill set or if this is not, if this is something that you don't have the time to do, you've got to work with a professional that can actually implement the system, whether it's a virtual receptionist Um, You know, there's a variety of different ways to solve the problem, but everything has to be viewed from their perspective, not just what's most convenient for you.
1: I 100% agree, especially, I mean, being that Back Office Betty's is a virtual receptionist service for... this specific demographic that we're discussing, it seriously, it's so important to get that phone answered and then have the expectation of when they can follow up so that they're not just running down that list that they found on Google. Because even if you have great web presence, if you don't have somebody to be there and and take their call, then they're going to go to the next person with good web presence. And it's a a long list. There's lots of them.
2: (laughs) No, and that's Uh, one of the things that I really respect about uh, Back Office Buddies is commitment to training not just on like yeah we're going to respond but we're going to respond well right the people are actually trained to help uh, identify the issues that um to qualify whether or not it's a a a client that um, the firm wants to take or you know just handling it in whatever way it is but you know as you know there's an art and science to actually working intake uh, answering is like step one. Um, and so, you know, again, we, even the law firms that answer the phone, if you just answer the the phone law firm Mm -hmm. and we hear that all the time, it's like, well, that's not very friendly. Like nobody wants to engage with that. Like, I don't even, yeah. Law firm. Do I even have the right law firm? Um, and so again, I think that that's another advantage, especially if you're, you know, if you're a solo and you're just like, look, this is overwhelming. I can't answer the phone. I got to actually work cases here. Uh, you know, you got to check out somebody, you know, some folks that really know this stuff. And then again, you can, you can do the math and see, uh, and we see this all the time, but um, trained intake professionals, they actually increase conversion rate, right? So the market that's marketing gobbledygook for, they increase out of the number of people that call your firm, they increase the number of those people that are actually going to be qualified prospects and sign up um, as clients. And so if there's a very compelling business case for working with professionals uh, in the intake space.
1: Yeah, because once you, once you start to convert more of those, then it's eventually just paying for itself for you exactly. to not even have to lift a finger. Um, we actually did a webinar recently where I spoke on, um, we, we called somewhere over like 100 attorneys or law firms. And so many of them didn't answer. It was probably like 50% or somewhere around there that didn't even answer. Um, the next majority did answer with law office. I'm like, well, which law office did we reach? Which one on our list are we talking to right now? And then some of them even answered the phone. Hello. And we're like, did, did we reach an attorney? Um, going to their cell phone, you know? Yeah. And so there's, there's so many people that still aren't understanding the importance of that presence on the phone. And, um, and having that person that makes sure that they're gathering all of the information that you need to even follow up. If somebody's not getting their name or their phone number, how are you going to follow up? Oh, and if- worse, I love that
2: one. <laughs> we listen, we listen to a phone call and the conversation's going great. It's a qualified lead. It sounds like it's going to be a great client. And up disconnected and we never, we had this great 30 minute conversation and I never asked them for their callback number or their email. Oops.
1: Oh yeah. That's like the biggest way to, you just have to kind of hope that they're going to call you back, but the chances of that happening are so slim. They're like, they're not going to, um, I, I love that we're on the same page with this. It feels really, um, really cool to talk to someone else that really understands the intake. I know the pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So once you have your intake completed or the process is like, you've got somebody answering the phone, you've got the follow-up in place. You've got the questions, um, that they're being asked every time to make sure you're gathering all that information. What would you say the first step of marketing at that point is and getting people to start calling in to start the intake process?
2: Um, so like what, uh, how to get the phone ringing.
1: Mm -hmm. what would be that first step once your intake's ready?
2: Yeah. So, you know, again, it's uh, you got to put together a plan based on your objectives. I think that's the biggest thing that I always, it's always missing when I hear marketing people talk is, is that, you know, someone might say something like, well, start spending money on Google ads or start, you know, doing Facebook ads or take out a billboard. And it's like, how can you possibly say that without having a conversation about what the firm's objectives are, right? Like, what are they trying to do in the next year, six months, three months from a business standpoint? Are you know are they trying to hit a certain number of new uh, clients? Do they have a target cost per acquisition of a client? Do they have a target cost per qualified lead? Um without having those conversations and knowing those uh, business metrics, like they're tied back to marketing metrics, I would say still, you're not ready to spend money yet. Um, But once, you know, to be more direct, I don't mean to dodge your question. Um, (laughs) Once you get a plan and a budget in place and you've got your numbers, you know, your numbers, you know, you start executing the plan. And and I'll I'll tell you this, I tell lawyers all the time. I'm like, if you do nothing else, you know, I'm actually going to speak uh, to lawyers tomorrow. And I always tell them, if you do nothing else, go sign up for Google My Business um, because for searches on your name and for searches on your firm name, no big secret, Google has the lion's share of search traffic. You know, people are just, they just, Google's a verb. Um, <laughs> and so how you appear in Google is going to make a big difference for those searches. And so, you know, if you're, whether you're a very um, experienced lawyer and you have a totally referral-based practice, or you're a newer lawyer and um, you're just kind of getting your feet wet, people are going to go look for information about you online. They're going to go to Google and Google My Business is the uh, commands the most real estate search real estate for searches on your name and your firm name and variations thereof. It's going to deliver uh, pictures and videos, uh, client reviews, your phone number, your address, driving directions, frequently asked questions. I mean, it's the website before your website. Um, and the great news is, it's totally free. All you've got to do is go claim the profile and fill it out. Um, you know, they've got some uh, quality guidelines. If you search for like Google, my business quality guidelines, you want to make sure you're following the guidelines, but um, that's really, to me, if you're going to be online at all, that's the place to go. Because again, it's the, it's this, it's the lookup, right? It's people expect today to be able to find information about you. And, you know, think about just like all the other things that go on in terms of your, um, you know, your presence in real life, the, the internet, there's this digital presence. So, if you make it really hard to find information about you, you can't find the phone number, you can't find the office location. That's like having, you know, no signage on your building and you're in your, there's no directions. It's hard to get there. You get to the office. You can't tell which door to go into. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Um, So to me, that's kind of the table stakes thing. If you do nothing else, uh, check out Google My Business, totally free. Um, you know, states have different rules about, um, you know, claiming profiles and uh, testimonials. So, you know, check with your state bar and what you can do there, but there, I, I've seen some really well done client video testimonials in Google, my business. And you think about this. So someone gets your name, they search for you online. First thing they see is this Google, my business thing. They click on it and it's a visit, video testimonial of a client who's talking about how you change their life in one of the most difficult times of things that they've ever gone through um, and think about how compelling, you want know, to talk about marketing like that. That's what people want. They want to know that you care about your clients, that you're doing right by your clients. You're providing great service. Um, and, that's bef- and that's the thing that's crazy. It's totally free. And people are spending, you know, hundred thousand dollars on their website and all of this interaction, all of these impressions and expectations, they're uh, happening before someone even clicks through to your website.
1: Yeah, that is amazing advice, especially I spend a lot of time looking up different attorneys um, that have raised their hand about our service or um, looking at different websites just to see what's going on in that area. And the number of Google My Business profiles that pop up when I Google somebody is so low. And it makes it really difficult. And do I have the right firm name? Did, where are they located? What state is this firm even in? And that's actually, that takes me to something on somebody's website, kind of a side note, little tangent. Your website needs to have your location. <laughs> so be, being an attorney is such a local thing that when you're not telling people where you're at, you've, you're losing them because how are they going to know that you can even help them?
2: It's such no. a good point. And, and lawyers, <laughs> lawyers don't, um, appreciate, um, the importance of proximity to their clients. You know, uh, we talk about this with plaintiff's lawyers all the time. I'm, I was a former plaintiff, plaintiff's lawyer in a former life and, um, you know, we're plaintiff's lawyers. As I say this, Oh, for the right case, uh, you know, I'll go anywhere in the state, right? I'll take a case anywhere in the state, you know, if there's significant, uh, damages, and it's a good case. I will go anywhere in the state. But that's not how your client thinks at all they care about do they see a common local area code do they see that you're in a, a similar uh you know location whether it's zip code or city and and honestly if you're in a major market even sometimes it comes down to like blocks right it comes down to neighborhoods um and google uh they show different you can walk down like when i was in chicago walking down the street they'll show different results block to block and so Uh, To your point, proximity matters. Google actually has a bunch of data on this, but um, I'm going to get the data wrong, of course, but if you search (laughs) for like uh, proximity to ads, but it makes a huge difference in your ability to convert a client based on where you're targeting. And so we see this all the time where if you go out a, a distance from a law firm, so say you're running ads throughout the state, conversion rates for ads, for digital ads, go down as you move away from the firm a lot of times, for this very reason because proximity matters to local clients.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we get virtual more virtual and the attorneys are are able to take it, it's probably a little bit less or on the, on the way down from importance, but I still I would much rather drive 5 minutes to an office than 30 or an hour to go I you know I live right outside of Austin. If something's in my little suburb versus driving into Austin, I'm not gonna go to Austin. (laughs) I'm gonna pick the one in my neighborhood.
2: Yeah, you raise another really great point, which is that virtual and and being able to deliver services virtually and digitally can be a huge competitive advantage for that very reason where it's like, if if you've got e-signatures set up, you can have retainers signed, um, you can conduct Zoom uh, conferences with clients, you're delivering content to them digitally versus having, you know, no one wants to get in their car and drive over to the, the law firm and put on their mask and wash their hands and go through all the rigmarole. Um, and people are busy. And so you can also deliver services asynchronously, right? So, um, you know, a lot of your client, a lot of clients, they're not going to be able to get, they got to work during the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to be able to review documents and have calls, you um, during off work hours. And, you know, even it's, it's also efficient for you, the lawyer, because now you can deliver that. You don't have to get in the car and go to the clients or go to, you know, a third uh, party location or, or a coffee shop or whatever it is. Um, so that's a huge competitive advantage. And that should also be highlighted in all of your marketing materials. So back to Google, my business, Google, my business, they added uh, the ability to, to acknowledge that you take uh, online appointments. and so if you do that and your competition doesn't, think about it when someone's looking up looking for a lawyer, that's a great way to distinguish yourself to win that call.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you can just go on your lunch break and meet with your attorney at your computer, you know like why wouldn't you hire them? I right. actually um, the way that now they've even allowed like court appointments virtually, my son was attacked by a dog a couple years ago and so I've been in a settlement. Um, with, with an insurance company. And it's been, you know, a long drawn out process. We're finally almost to our last hearing, but it's all happening virtually. And the um, attack happened in Arizona. I live in Texas. The fact that it can happen between States and I don't have to be traveling to, to get this handled and to work with my attorney that is fighting for my son's settlement. It's a game changer because Like I probably would have given up and none of us would have gotten money,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I know folks that are listening to this, like that's going to resonate. I mean, you're, you yeah. have firsthand experience with this um, and it's, it's everything. I mean, you can't, how, in some way, I know there are clients that just, they just give up on the claim because they're like, this is just too hard. Mm-hmm. I I can't make the trip. I can't. Do the depositions? I can't do all the work that it takes to to uh, pursue the claim. And like, it, you know, there's there's access to justice issues there, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're, it's just not. Uh, we should be reducing the barriers and making it uh, less friction to be able to pursue justice. And um, technology help can help a lot.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree. Cause you bring, that brings up another point for me is that even outside of that, the process felt so overwhelming and frustrating that I did want to give up. It's been, you know, two and a half years since this happened and we're not done yet. That's, that makes me want to give up. So if I'm having somebody who's working with me and giving me good customer service and giving me expectations of, what to expect. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going because there's a bright side and there's, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost done. Like I literally have one week until my appointment for (laughs) our last hearing. And I'm just so ready, but I, I could see that in a lot of cases, people would just feel super frustrated with the process. If they're not getting the communication and the, um, the engagement that they need, which goes exactly. back to the people on the phones and the people doing the follow up and all of that. So, and, and that's
2: the thing: technology gives you so many ways to be able to deliver those updates now. You know, mm-hmm. we talk, we talk to lawyers all the time, and it's like, um, you know, you can just send a you can send a text with a link that's a video that talks about, hey, you're in the discovery stage. Here's what you can expect. Here are some of the dates on your court order. Here's, you know, you can, you can do uh, deposition coaching through those videos. Like there's just so much. And then, you know, on the think about it, uh, as you mentioned like from the client side, now you're informed, you can see there's light at the end of the tunnel. You feel much more confident that your uh, matter's being handled by somebody who's competent. Cause they're keeping you up to date about what's mm-hmm. going on. And on the lawyer side it's much more efficient than, you know having to pick up the phone and making the call. And then up, oh, you're not, you're not available cause you're working. And so they've got to leave a voice message, call me back. You can mm-hmm. deliver a lot of that service right, like uh, asynchronously through the phone, through a text message, through a video, and um, you talk again back to the beginning. What this is all about? It's all about that client experience, and and just what a more, much more remarkable experience it is to receive, um, you know, be working with a lawyer and receive legal services to be able to do it that way.
1: Absolutely. Um. All right, I'm going to move on now a little bit. Move on. So what is the most exciting thing that's happening in your business right now or coming up in the near future? Gosh, um, with our
2: business, like it's just constantly changing, you know, which is why it's one of the reasons I went into this business. Um, there's a lot of, um, big advancements. I mean, you think about it, even though it it feels like some of these, uh, platforms and tools have been around, maybe I'm going to date myself here, but um, they've been around forever. But, uh, the truth is it's really the tip of the iceberg. Um, obviously, I think there's some very some interesting things kind of going on with um, non-lawyer owned law firms and what the impact of some of these uh, like a legal Zoom and some of these other players entering uh, that space. Um, but you know, I, it's it's exciting times. I think we're going to see some consolidation in legal. Um, but the the good news is the thing that's really uh, you know the silver lining of this whole pandemic thing from our perspective has been that lawyers that have been very resistant to the internet and digital and communication technologies have kind of been forced to be able to adopt these things or else like, you know, in many instances, they they they're in places where they couldn't be open at all. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. you either figure this out or you die. Um, and, uh, that's been very positive. So I think that the, the agenda of the, that we've, you know, the, the drum we've been banging for so long to put clients first, to give them a different ways to communicate, to make things easier, to reduce the friction. Like we've taken some uh, light year steps forward um, in yeah. the last two years. And so that's really exciting. I think, I think it's better for legal services consumers. I think it's better for work-life balance for lawyers. Um, and again, I think there's, there's, there's just so much opportunity to improve the way that you practice law uh, if you embrace uh, some of these technologies.
1: Awesome. So, on that note, is there any super cool technology that you think is the best thing that you just need everyone to know about? So, I, I technically, I guess I would go back to Google
2: My Business, even though it's like it a okay. technology, maybe. But um, the other one too that I don't know how cool it is, but it's been a game changer for me personally as well as um, a lot of firms we work with is some kind of calendaring appointment setting tool. So, I, I'm a big Calendly fan, mm-hmm. but. To be able to go to someone and say, "Hey, here's my calendar. Here's my availability. How does it, where does it match up with yours? Pick a time." Um, and Calendly's got all these different workflows, and you know, it also triggers like, "Hey, reminder." You know, if you if you if you give people the option to enter their uh, cell phone number, you can fire off a reminder text. Hey, we're meeting in 30 minutes. You you get better show rates. It's a better experience for everybody. You're not going back and forth in email. Um, you know, thinking about in the context of client service you know, clients can schedule time with you. They don't have to like call you and leave you a message and then wait for you to get back to them or send you an email. Um, So that's been, I think that's one that I would focus on. Not that like quote unquote cool, um, but really can be impactful in your business.
1: Absolutely, because- getting the, um, I've been actually dealing with this recently of trying to schedule an appointment between three people and fighting that calendar. And it's like, okay, if we could just all share a calendar right now and somebody could click a link, this would be way easier to schedule.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: are there any cool conferences or associations we should know about or anything that you really like to hang out at?
2: Sure. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention the American Bar Association's tech show since I'm on the planning board. So hope to okay. see folks, uh, that we're doing a hybrid conference as of now, you know, it's a very dynamic environment, but, um, you know, that's has been another interesting thing that's kind of happened over the last two years is, is that um, one of the silver that's come out of the pandemic is a lot of these shows that uh, have traditionally been in person only are now offering hybrid options, which is great for folks that, you know, maybe they can't afford the trip or, you know, their work schedule doesn't allow them to um, make the trip. And so now you can have access to these experts and content, um, again, from the comfort of your own home on your own terms. Um, So tech show. And then um, I would also encourage folks, I don't know if you've ever uh, had the opportunity to attend, but Clio's cloud conference, which is coming up at the end of this month, I believe, um, is just fantastic. And talk about, you know, Jack Newton, the founder of Clio, he's huge on the client center. He wrote a book about it, client centered law practice. Um, So if you're interested in things like uh, understanding how to uh, implement tools and technology uh, to put clients at the center, tech show, Clio cloud conference, those would be the two that would be the top of my list.
1: Awesome. We're actually going to be at Clio next year, not this year, but next year. Awesome. And I really love the um, ability to sit at home and attend these things that I never would have been able to before. I'm a mom, you know, my arranging for someone to watch my kids for me to travel is not the easiest thing. Exactly, <laughs> um, And that's the so, thing.
2: And I tell people all the time too, is that is with these, um, these hybrid and, and virtual events, the key is, is, meet people, right. Get in the mm-hmm. chat, make some connections, connect on LinkedIn, because you take that one show experience, you know, look, the content's great, right? You, you listen to the, you learn something new you can apply in your, in your business or your firm or in your personal life. You Maybe you get energized by a keynote speaker, but the, the real value is to connect with other people um, and you know, you can still do that virtually. So get in the chat, you know, hit the, most of the conferences will pro, uh, provide an attendee list, but if you're having conversations in the chat or in the, if they create virtual spaces, so much value there from a networking perspective. And again, to your point,
1: now you can access that from the comfort of your own home. Totally. And if you're an introvert, it's a whole lot easier to chat someone than, exactly. to, than to try and bring up a conversation in real Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yep. You're hitting on a lot of things that hit for me personally. <laughs> Um, all right. So now I kind of want to find out how did you get here? I would love to hear about your life as far back as you want to take me. Um, but I, am curious how you ended up here and with attorney sink.
2: So January 19th, 1979, no, we won't go back that far. Um, so I was, uh, I grew up, uh, outside of Detroit. Um, you know, a great childhood, um, and it was, it actually started off as a computer science major. I was, I was, kind of like tinkering with computers and stuff and I uh, thought I wanted to go that direction, but this was like, you know, late nineties. And so uh, computer science back then wasn't as exciting as it is today. And so I was like, do I really want to have a career sitting in a dark room, writing code? And that's kind of like, eh, I don't know, not really. Um, and so I found the joys of philosophy. And so I was a philosophy major, sadly, I loved my philosophy major. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But sadly, uh, unless you're gonna go into academia, not a huge market for philosophers these days. And so I went to law school, kind of was really enamored with the practice of law. I think I watched too much Law & Order, um, romanticized it too much. Um, But I had a very, very, it's hard to even call it a career. I only practiced for, gosh, maybe like two years. Um, And part of that early on in in that uh, career you know, other lawyers I would meet would be like, hey, you know, you know about technology and websites and stuff like what should we be doing? And um, so I you know, kind of went out and saw what was available. And I was just, frankly, I was like, gosh, this is there's not that great of options. Um, and there's a lot of opacity and people weren't really being transparent with what was going on. And so I, th- I was like, we could probably do this better. And so I partnered up with a friend of mine uh, from undergrad who had experience at another um, digital company and uh, had a background in sales. And so that was really the genesis of AttorneySync. Uh, was that, uh, hey, I feel like we could serve lawyers um, with more transparent and accountable kind of marketing um, services. And we really started out more of like a traditional lead gen company uh, and pivoted because of some of the uh, regulatory uh, environment at the time. But um, that's really the story. It was really born out of, I, you know, me and my partner had always kind of had a technology bend. Um, but you know, I'm a I'm a self-taught SEO, and um, you know, I think we both had the the entrepreneur itch, and so took the leap and uh, never looked back. And you know, I we've been uh, in business since 2008, and I actually founded a second agency in 2013. It's not illegal at all, but um, I just I, th- I think it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting the impact that uh, web presence has on you know everybody's business. Really, I always tell people, I'm like people will say, oh, I'm not in the digital marketing business I'm like yeah you everybody is you know if people Mm -hmm. look for information about you online you're in the digital marketing business like it or not
1: yeah absolutely I think it's so fascinating when people find marketing because I found it on accident and I never really knew what I was going to do with my life until I became a marketer I'm like wow this is so exciting to figure out how to do all these things
2: yeah. No, That's it's awesome. fun. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's psychology, it's strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you throw the technology aspect into it, then it, it gets super dynamic. It's always changing. There's always new things to learn. Um, and yeah, I, I think that I, I, that story resonates with me as well. Cause I think a lot of people do kind of stumble into it, especially digital. <laughs> and I think now, you know, Back, when, back uh, in the nineties, there wasn't even a degree for digital marketing. And now I think there's a lot more of that uh, curriculum. So I think some people do pursue careers in it now, but um, yeah, I do think a lot of people still happen to stumble into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So going back in time, if you could meet yourself when you first graduated, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say when you first graduated law school, what mm-hmm. advice would you give yourself?
2: Um, it's all about the people, um, you know, lawyers uh they everybody focus and and i'm going to say this and then i'm you know and you're going to get um people are going to message you and be like whoever that guy was has no idea what he's talking about but um, (laughs) lawyers focus on competency they want to you know be the best lawyer you know know the law practice try if you're a trial lawyer trial skills and don't get me wrong that stuff matters but the issue is there's a bunch of issues there, but one is, is that that's kind of table stakes. Like you have to be a good lawyer in order to be able to properly represent clients and to have happy clients sing your praises. But every lawyer is thinking the same thing. And there's another thing that people that lawyers don't realize is that guess what? Your clients have no idea how good of a lawyer you are. There's no, you know, Avo tries to do their ratings and Martindale has their ratings and there's, you know, Google reviews and that kind of stuff. But if you think about it, when you, when you're looking for a lawyer, you can't tell a great lawyer from a not great lawyer. And so the point there is, is that it's all about the people skills. It's about leading with empathy and being, and having gratitude and listening to clients. And and the same thing goes for when you're, um, if you're in a position, if you're a uh, managing partner, uh, head of a firm um, to the people you hire and you have on your team or the people you partner with, like. That stuff matters so much more than how good, you're at, how good you are at opening arguments or taking depositions. And so I, that's the thing I for if you're a uh, new lawyer listening to this or, or if you're an experienced lawyer listening to this and you're kind of struggling, I focus on the people side of things. And that's the thing I would tell myself as well, because trust me, I've made a ton of mistakes uh, in, the, in the area of people and not prioritizing them, not prioritizing culture, But businesses are business is all about people. It's people. And unless you're, um, you know, I don't know, unless you like write code for like an artificial intelligence, maybe there's no people there, but otherwise it's all people. Everything's people.
1: Yeah. And when somebody is referring you as a great lawyer, they're not referring on your experience or your knowledge. They're referring based on how you treated them and how they felt while you're taking care of them and helping them. They truly don't understand everything that you've learned or figured out in law school or your stats or your win rates or anything. They care how you treated them.
2: Right. And a lot of times in in most legal contexts, clients, they don't even know what a good outcome is, right? Like if you're, if you get arrested, you're like, you, you think a good outcome is just freedom, right? Get the acquitted, right? But you don't know because you might be in a situation where it's like, if they plea you down, that was actually a great outcome. But you know, those expectation sets and having those conversations and getting to know your client, that's the only way to navigate that because otherwise they just don't know. Same thing on plaintiff's side. It's like, yeah, give me a million dollars, right? Uh, well, your claim is not worth a million dollars. So um, they yeah. don't know what a good outcome is, but they know what it's, to your point, they know what it's like to be treated with respect. They know what it's like to be followed up with, kept in the loop, responded to, get their questions answered. Like people know how that feels. And if you do that stuff, Um, you know, people will sing your praises and they'll refer you more business.
1: Yeah. I was on a website recently, um, for a law firm that, um, one of their like highlighted good outcomes was that they got somebody, um, I think it was, it, it was basically house arrest. I can't remember how they worded it. But I was like, that doesn't sound that good to me as somebody looking at an attorney's website. I, I wouldn't necessarily highlight that they still got in trouble, you know? And so to me, it's funny because that is that is a good outcome, but not in the eye situation. of, yeah, yeah. It, it might, it's not necessarily a good outcome in the eye of somebody looking for their attorney. And so that's not going to be the thing that's going to sell them on you because right. they're going to be trying to avoid that. They want to be in no trouble. <laughs>
2: No, that's right. And that's, and that's why from a marketing standpoint, like the expectation set that you do with outcomes at the beginning is so important. You know, uh, plaintiff's lawyers love to put these huge verdicts on their site and then clients call up and they're like, Hey, I saw you got a million dollar verdict. So give me my million. And they're like, your case is worth like 10 grand. And they're like, mm-hmm. what? Oh, you must... And you, and you know, it's funny, it's funny and sad, but you see this play out in negative reviews on Google, my business where people will say, uh, they didn't take my case. They didn't think I had a case and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, see, that's that's where mm-hmm. the service part matters so much because now everybody that looks that lawyer up is going to say, oh, this lawyer doesn't care and they don't treat people well and blah, blah, blah. And so um, anyway, it's it, th- that's the thing that the internet has done. It's really democratized information in that respect. And so um, got to treat people right. And, you know, look, even as hard as you work to do that, some people are just, they're going to leave you a negative review and that's just part of the game too. But um, the, what you find is, is that if you spend time investing in the experience, you're mindful of your communications and intake, those problems are much smaller and you get a lot more people singing your praises. And you see this too, the, the lawyer didn't, it wasn't the right lawyer for me, but they took the time to listen to me and they mm-hmm. referred me to another lawyer who really helped me out. You see that in reviews too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you can't help somebody, but you can show them that you care that's worth the world. Exactly. Well, this has been really great. I've loved this conversation. Um, I'm curious, where can people find you?
2: So I waste a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, it's really easy, just at G-Y-I-T-S-A-K-L-A-K-I-S. Um, <laughs> put it in the show notes, usually if you just start typing G-Y, it comes up. Um, you can go to attorneysync.com, attorneysync.com, and feel, feel free to contact me there. Um, I will be at the ABA tech show if you want to see me in real life and, um, the the various other places around the web. Thank you so much for having me. I really did enjoy this conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening. Um, if you learned something or you really enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone else who might get some value from it. Um, that's it. And I'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo DeFacto is sponsored by Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebettys.com and mention The Solo DeFacto Show for an exclusive listener offer.